0: Dr. Shawn a. Anderson is a psychologist with decades of experience, but she was heckled, mocked, and even received death threats. You may ask why? Well, she told the truth at public meetings in California about lockdowns, masking, and teaching transgender ideology to children. Her story is coming up next. Welcome to the Moms for America podcast. Each week, special guests tackle the issues facing the moms of America today. Discussions include personal stories and advice on how moms can build a strong foundation of faith, family and freedom in their homes and country. Hi, moms. I'm Debbie Kourlitus, your host, and welcome once again to the Moms for America podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us again this week. Uh, I always want to just remind everybody here at the top of the show to please like, subscribe, and share our podcast. Uh, It's you, mamas, that are helping us get the message out and helping to empower other moms uh, with great subjects and um, just interesting information. So please go ahead and share this podcast, like, and subscribe. We also want to invite you, the mamas that are listening, the grandmas that are listening. Would you please join our movement here at Moms for America? If you don't know about us, if this is your first time, we would love to welcome you to our family. We are mamas all across this country uniting together to fight for faith, family, freedom, and the Constitution. You may ask, well, how do I find out about Moms for America? Yes, go to our website, momsforamerica.us, check out all our programs our events. Um, we have a plethora of information for you right on our website and um, you can join the movement there. Alrighty, on to today's program. Well, you probably won't be surprised when I tell you that Dr. Shawnee Anderson is a seasoned professional psychologist who came under vicious attack in her home state of California because she spoke out against what we may say would be the sacred cows of the government. Uh, Dr. Anderson has over 25 years of experience. She developed a state-of-the-art treatment program for eating disorders, substance abuse, and trauma that transformed the lives of her patients. Well, welcome, Dr. Anderson. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Moms for America podcast. We're thrilled to have you. Oh, I'm so thrilled to be here. Thank you. All right. Before we get into the, the meat of this discussion here today, which is going to be very, very interesting, and you've got a A compelling story. Can you tell us a little bit about um, your tribe, your house, uh, your kids? I know that you're a mama, and did I hear that you're actually a grandma too? I am. I am. She just turned six
1: (laughs) months last week, and I'm absolutely obsessed. It is the most amazing thing on the planet. Um, I'm born and bred, raised my entire life in Southern California. I have um, one son, two stepchildren, and my son is actually now deployed. He's in the armed services. He's in the army. He's deployed. Thank you in- for his service. Would you please you. tell him that for Moms for America? Absolutely. Absolutely. He is in Eastern Europe and um, he's married to a wonderful, wonderful woman. And she's actually been staying with us since my son deployed with my granddaughter.
0: So it, it's just been quite the blessing. Oh, Love that. Well, I heard that grandma thing is amazing. I'm not there yet, but- Everybody that is, they're just like best thing ever. So best thing ever. Yes, You're another testimony. (laughs) And
1: and you really, you really can't get it until you actually experience it. Cause I have another, a number of friends that are grandmothers and I didn't quite understand it, but yes, it is just
0: amazing. Well, congratulations. Thank you. All right. Well, like you said, uh, you're from California, Mm -hmm. spent over what, 20 years there as a practicing psychologist there, right? Um, I like to just kind of get in here in the beginning of the show, and just maybe your perspective how things have changed, um, in the industry, uh, in the helping and, and being a psychologist in the industry. Uh, how much has that changed? How what drastic moves? Where are we now? I mean, this has got to be. You're speaking from years of experience, is what I want to get at.
1: I actually saw my very first patient in, I think, like 1989, and I didn't get licensed until 95, because to be a psychologist, you do see a lot of patients before you even get licensed. But the field um, has grown and changed a lot, but I do think the biggest transformation has been since covid Mm -hmm. And I was actually speaking out probably just a couple of months into the lockdowns in California about how this was going to bring about a massive mental health crisis in our country and in the world. Um, because of the lockdowns, because taking children out of school and stopping extracurricular activities and masking is a whole other thing. Isolation, right? Oh, it's been terrible. And so I was speaking out about this back in 2020, um, about all the dangers and that did not go over well, you know, started getting, um, lots of complaints and death threats and Antifa and things, um, for speaking about that but yeah that is exactly what we're seeing now we are in a full-blown mental health crisis and it's particularly bad for our young people our children preteens teens young adults are really the ones that are being hit the worst we know that during the pandemic and the lockdowns anxiety depression trauma just skyrocketed in addition to drug and alcohol use was massive um suicides suicidality, um, overdoses self-injury Behavior, eating disorders, gambling addiction, video addiction—I mean, everything has skyrocketed. And I think anytime you isolate people, especially children and teenagers, when you isolate them and mask them and and throw this fear into them, it, it's not a—it's—it's it's a really bad recipe. It's not going to turn out well,
0: and it hasn't. And I think what's what's the shocking part of this is—is is everyone knew when you were looking at this, that this was headed for a complete, was complete disaster in front of us. Uh, And I just wonder too, you know, did the, is the government or the schools or the officials that, you know, supported this, are they taking any kind of responsibility for this? Well, I think it's interesting. You're saying that at the time
1: we knew this, but they kept telling us this is all for our benefit. Uh That, you know, somehow getting sick was much worse than getting the consequences that we're dealing with now. And again, I think that the, the answer to the problem has been worse or the cure has been worse than the problem because mm-hmm. we now, we know we're having just an inundation in the mental health field that so many people can't even get in to see clinicians, that states are having to actually quickly help people get licensed because there's just the the demand is so much greater than
0: what we even have the capacity mm-hmm. to meet. So the demand, if you're looking at your, uh, your career over 20 years, the demand for the industry is at an all time high mm-hmm. because of one, the horrible progress that our culture has made. And mm-hmm. I mean, progress in a negative way, yes. um, devaluing and just all the pressures on our kids, Then let alone you put COVID let alone you put gender crisis, let alone you put a society that has no respect. So, You see the demand for psychologists at an all-time high right now. Absolutely. And I have actually, I think, um,
1: actually during the lockdowns um, and in California, it was some of the worst for years. And Mm -hmm. I had never, ever been busier in my entire practice, ever in my Mm -hmm. entire time working. I mean, I was going from an average of maybe 25 to 30 patients a week to over 40 patients a week, getting 10 phone calls a week, having to refer out constantly. I mean, it's it's been a really trying time. And we, what we're also seeing is a lot of the clinicians out there are now getting burnt out because we've been on the front lines of this for over two years. And so right. while the demand
0: is so great, so many therapists are just working way too hard that we're now suffering. And I will say this too. I'm, you know, I've, I've got a, a younger son, and I think it's very, um, I guess popular wouldn't be the right word to say, but it's very common that everyone is in some type of counseling. Back in the day, right when I grew up, people only in counseling if maybe their parents were going through a horrible divorce or there was something traumatic in the family, like a, a loss or you know or or death. But now there is a big demand, and a lot of this generation. Um, feels the need to be in counseling. And I mean, rightfully so, it's a very tough culture to to grow up in right now. And there's a lot of issues that they're dealing with that kids never, like you and I, we didn't have to deal with a lot of this stuff. You know, we and just also, went out and played. Exactly. <laughs> but I do think the advent of social media has had such
1: a negative right. effect on awesome. children and teens. And right. I see a lot and have for the last five to 10 years um, that it actually kind of is cool to have a mental illness, mm. and that it's cool. I know what you're saying. Therapy, yeah. and that people are watching these videos on TikTok of people who are struggling with panic attacks and with multiple personality disorder and these things that who even knows if they're real. That there has been such a contagion effect of mm. I can't get attention any other way. So if I'm sick, then maybe people will pity me and maybe I can get some attention.
0: And, you know, doctor, this isn't on my notes here, but as you're talking about that, um, it makes me think, and I know that our moms that are listening, you know, a little bit of fear because not only if your kids are looking for counseling, where do they go that is a trusted source? Because they can, right? right? You give your kids over to, uh, you know, someone to counsel them. And unless you do your homework, you don't know what they're counseling these kids. uh, Absolutely. What principles. So it's 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 like a double-edged sword. Now, where do you go if you're going to go to counseling? Do you have some advice on that on, to the moms that are listening? And what do you do if your kids are looking for counseling? They are in a, a crisis of, of their own. What would you say? Well, I think
1: it's a double-edged sword because I think it's great that people want to put their children into counseling. But I also think a lot of parents may be abdicating some of their parental responsibilities of saying, well, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to talk to them. And let me just kind of throw them in with a professional. And so I kind of want to backtrack a little bit. And I think it's so important for parents to become more equipped on how to communicate with their kids and their teenagers, Mm -hmm. that the importance of listening and I know we so want to speak into our kids. I mean, I remember when my son was a teenager, the window kind of gets smaller and smaller and smaller of how much they'll listen. And those are the times where we as parents need to kind of open our window to listen to what they have to say, because a lot of times therapy is just having a professional listener. Right. And so it's important for parents to listen to what's going on with their children and to talk with them and to be a safe person that they can go to. But at the same time, if it does feel like, wow, this is way above my expertise as a parent, which may be frequently, mm-hmm. um, to reach out and try to find a trusted clinician in town. Like yes. I know 90% of the referrals that I get are so-and-so got your number from so-and-so and you saw their cousin's daughter, and, and it's really word of mouth, and I really recommend talking to other people that have had good experiences because this is going to sound so terrible but um my husband and i used to joke that a lot of times we wouldn't allow some of these clinicians to even counsel our cat Because some programs are just two years and they're throwing them out there and they don't have a lot of experience and they don't have a lot of training. And so um, you absolutely can research your clinician online. Mm -hmm. You can research them with the boards that they're licensed Mm -hmm. with. But I would really recommend going with um, a trusted recommendation from a church,
0: from friends, from other family members. Right. And there are a lot of faith-based counseling centers now coming rising up because parents want to know that their discussion is going to be handled properly. And align with their values. So, though, so um, does bring up an issue
1: that actually, on a little side note, that Christian counseling is actually at having an existential threat at this point because the government is trying to shut us down as Christians, as faith-based counselors, of basically saying we shouldn't be in this field mm. because of our beliefs that we are just mm. by what we believe, bigoted, racist, homophobic, all of those things. And they're really coming after educational graduate programs that are preparing Christian counselors and also Christian
0: counselors like myself coming after our licenses. Sad. That's all I can say. Sad. But, you know, we as moms, we know what our kids need and we know that we're not going to trust our children to anyone, especially somebody that's giving them advice. So I know that about our mamas and I, I love that, you know, you're speaking the truth here too. So- Um, Let's talk a little bit about, I mean, your, your area of specialization is what eating disorders, substance abuse. Um, what is your background in and where do you see, um, those areas presently?
1: Well, I was my kind of major specialty field in graduate school was chemical dependency, substance abuse. I then started working with eating disorders. And what I noticed, what was really underneath a lot of this was trauma. And so I work a lot with trauma, PTSD, complex trauma. And what is then adjacent to that? I work a lot with teenagers who are self-injuring and i also have a specialty in personality disorders because often people who have personality disorders have all of these things they kind of all cluster together and i will say you know all of this has increased you know i've been doing this for so long i've i've seen um, the eating disorders be kind of the social contagion back in kind of like the 90s. And then the self-injury has come out. And now we're seeing a lot of the, um, the gender LGBTQ issues that are becoming popular mm-hmm. with teenagers. And so I, I've definitely seen the trends that um,
0: occur, especially in our teens and young adults. So you brought up a, obviously an issue that, has progressed and that's the gender fluidity, the trans, the trans issue, um, identity, um, picking an identity. Um, where do you see this now? And are you able to, uh, give some advice to our moms about this issue? Because this is very, yeah, I don't know. We hear it's common. I hear that it's 30 to 40%. I I don't know, doctor, What, what is it right
1: now? It is here. I I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but but it's here. It's landed, right? right. And um and it's being reinforced and taught in the schools. It, it sure is, is everywhere. And so back when I was trained as a psychologist, when I was in graduate school back in you know the eighties and the early nineties, um, at that time transgender was something that was extremely rare, and it was mm-hmm. predominantly in men wanting to be female. And very, very, very rare. And I do think um, things started changing maybe 10, 15 years ago and it was becoming more celebrated. I think when Bruce Jenner Mm -hmm. transitioned and and did all of that, I think it slowly became more and more um, okay. I think the media has really been almost like forcing this in our face. Um, But I do actually believe that COVID made the biggest difference. I think if you're Mm -hmm. keeping children out of school Mm -hmm. and they can't hang out with their friends, what are they going to do? They're going to spend all day online. And it's it's a culture of beating each other out. It's all competition of who can be the the one that's gonna get the most attention. And I think at that point in time, a lot of the LGBTQ stuff was really becoming activated. And I think people who are agitated and depressed mm-hmm. and, and lonely yeah. and and not feeling good were seeking anything that they can hold on to. And it's important to understand that the job of being a teenager. Is finding who you are. The whole part of being a teenager is finding your identity. And that's why it starts at about puberty. And you start seeing, you know, your teenagers are going to be hanging out with this group of friends. And then the following year, they're with this group
0: of friends. And then all of a sudden, you know, they want a purple mohawk. No, now they want to be, you know, so impressionable because they're they're on this journey of trying to figure out what they really like because they have absolutely no clue. Right, which is totally normal, normal right?
1: Appropriate <laughs> to, to try on these different identities to find what really fits for them. Well, what's happening now is I think there isn't much direction on just identity itself, because nobody's really talking about individualization. I think as we're approaching a lot of kind of almost like communistic theology, if you can use right. that term, Absolutely. being taught through this social
0: emotional learning and mm-hmm. not, I don't even want to get caught up in crypto. No, research. we've talked a lot about social emotional <laughs> learning as the umbrella, because this is how they're getting into the schools. This is how they are yes. teaching Uh, they're indoctrinating the kids. And and I think, too, to your point, we're pushing kids to just one message now. And the message is be whatever you want to be. Pick your gender, pick your pronoun, starting in kindergarten. Mm -hmm. And they're stopped on a normal journey, is how I... (laughs) I think you're
1: absolutely right that they are indoctrinating them, that you can kind of be whatever you want to be, but there is no scaffolding. Mm -hmm. There is no assistance to actually help a teenager through that process. And so what's interesting, I specialize in borderline personality disorder. And one of the cruxes of that disorder is an unstable identity. Mm -hmm. And what I'm starting to see with a lot of the teenagers that I'm working with they're looking and sounding a lot more borderline than I've ever heard before. And I do think, again, I I hate keeping going back to the pandemic and the lockdowns and everything, but I do think that was such a major disruption in children's lives that we are now seeing that they feel so lost. I think during that time, parents were so operating out of fear that they really couldn't be there for their kids. You had parents, I mean, I'm sure all these moms understand, you're trying to homeschool your kid, you're trying to work, you're trying to run your home, you've got your husband now working from home, and you, you can't do it all, and you're just doing it within your family. And if you're trying to help an adolescent develop a sense of self and an identity, they need to kind of actually separate out from mom. And that's actually really tricky to do. And that's why when we have teenagers they're I hate you, mom, I don't want to be anything like you. But they need to have a place to kind of launch out to. And that's where traditionally fathers would be the ones that would help launch them. But what happened during this lockdown, these teenagers didn't have anywhere to go. They didn't have coaches, they didn't have... Mm you know, other individuals in their lives who could actually help them say, wow, if you're interested in sciences,
0: let's practice, let's do the science fair. Let me kind of mentor right. you. Today. Or if they weren't you're... putting their hand to anything really uh, except, active, except yes. for social media. That was really all that was left <sighs> to them. And that's where I think
1: the indoctrination of the gender fluidity came about the normalization of just all of the sexual identity stuff and just All of that. And that's why I think we've seen such a tremendous increase in especially teenage girls seeking to find an identity because, one, it's very difficult to be raised female in this country. And I remember when I was a teenager a thousand years ago, how uncomfortable I felt in my body and growing up into a woman. And now you, again, have these like idealized images of what a woman is supposed to look like Mm, and the Kardashian generation, it's impossible. You're not going to measure up. You're questioning who you are. You've got anxiety and depression. You're not getting much direction other than the fact, look, I don't like my body. I don't feel good about myself. I'm not being celebrated as a female anymore in terms of of what that really could be. Mm-hmm. And so maybe something's wrong with me and maybe it's just my gender. And you know my my girlfriends are really nice and wonderful. I love them. I feel safe with them. Maybe I'm in love with them. You know, I think that there's so much confusion that nobody is really guiding and directing them in the ways that they need to be helped.
0: I'm just going to ask you for advice then (laughs) sure and and i'm sure this isn't an easy answer um what would you say though just pausing for a moment there because what you just said doctor it's heartbreaking but this is what a lot of parents are dealing with yes and i know they've got to you know pray through this and they've got to direct their kids and talk and share but do you have just a pause here that you would say to moms right now Mm -hmm. if their girls are dealing with this uh identity crisis I think the first thing
1: you got to do is identify it and talk to your daughters and say, you know, the last, you know, however, however old your daughter is, you know, the last, if they're 13, the last three years, the last five years, if they're older, of really looking from puberty forward, of validating what a difficult time this is. And they don't want to hear about your experience, but just say, you know, I can relate and that's sufficient. Mm -hmm. And then just say, you know, I want to be able to help you. Your job as a teenager is beginning to look at things that you like, that you don't like and begin to question these things and see if you can come alongside your teenage daughter, almost like as a good aunt, a good big sister, as almost like a coach Mm -hmm. that's not going to parent and tell your daughter what she needs to be, but to kind of talk with her find out what she's interested, what are things that she likes, and beginning to work with her on different things. Like I know I, I have a teenage patient and her father had cooks meals and she became interested in wanting to do that. And he just kind of brought her under his wing to where they cook dinner together every night. And so for a year, she's like, I want to be a chef. She doesn't want to be a chef anymore, but she got an opportunity to play out what that was. And she got to explore a part of her that for a season, she had this identity that she wanted to be a chef. Mm -hmm. And now she wants to do something different. She decides she wants to travel because her mom travels a lot. And so now she wants to be a flight attendant. And it's, it's being able to give teenage girls opportunities for growth and understanding and maybe even mentorship by other women in different careers. Right. Um, I get a lot of moms that reach out to me. Usually their kids are in college um, and they'll the daughter will reach out to me or the moms will say, hey, you know, my daughter is thinking she might want to get into being a psychologist. Could you talk with her? Could you meet with her for coffee? And just to bring about, I think we as moms need to mentor our children and each other's children, each other's daughters in particular, to talk with them about career, but also being a mom and the value in that and having that identity as either a professional woman, as a mom, as both, and, and really mentoring them and walking through these things. Because I do think being a woman, I think feminism has done a disservice for us. I think initially it really fought for our rights to be able to be whatever we want. but I think now right. there's this expectation that we have to be everything. Mm-hmm. And I think just being a woman in and of itself is no longer valued. We're either a sex object or we are, you know a power woman who is, you know, a president of a company
0: um, that some let alone motherhood, right? let alone yeah, being I a think- mom. If I have, if I have another mother say to me, I'm just a mom, I'm like, that is the greatest high calling you can do sister. Absolutely. You know,
1: like my daughter-in-law is brilliant. Mm-hmm. She is an honor student, graduated honors in biology. This woman could be a physician and she is choosing to stay home with my granddaughter and be a mom. And she is amazing mother. Yeah. Amazing. And I am so thrilled that she's chosen to do that. Now, might she later on in her life go back to work when when my granddaughter and other grandchildren are born, when they've grown up and -hmm. and she wants to advance it? That's an opportunity that she can do. And we talk about these different things. But that's where I think daughters really need input from mentors, whether they're moms yeah. or their friends, aunts, whatever it is, speaking into daughters' lives. And I know 100%. when I work with my teenage um, patients, teenage, you know, young women, I love to do that with them, of speaking into there are so many options for who they can be as a woman mm-hmm. and not focusing on your sexual identity or your gender identity. It's finding out who are you as a person and then who are you as a young woman and really focusing on identityhood? What do you like? What do you not like? What are things, you know, rather than just I'm LGBTQ and just focusing identity solely on gender or sexuality. And, and as a Christian psychologist, I'm always taking my patients back to who are you in Christ? Yes. But finding your identity there is the most important thing for a young woman.
0: Amen. I just think about with my own daughter, who's now going to be 23. Mm -hmm. But I was always just praying because I wanted to be ahead of the curve as much as the Lord would allow me to be. And when I saw maybe questions or derailment or a situation coming, I just was trying to take her and just move her as much Mm -hmm. on the path and and guide her. And this is is exactly what you're saying. One, we are the greatest influencers in our daughters and our children's lives. And secondly, we do need to be surrounded as moms with other moms that will mentor and speak truth. My best friend is like an aunt to my children and she comes right along and she just speaks truth right to them, whether they like it or not. Or grandma, let's not forget about the grandmas, right, doctor? Yes, absolutely. Because they have such a high calling. And I say this right now to the grandmas that are listening, you need to be speaking truth Mm -hmm. and coming along. You are one of the greatest mentors of your grandchildren. So I think if we all just work to together collectively, we will be able to guide the hearts and minds of our children as we pray so, over it, them and teach. Especially
1: them. for those teenagers, because during that season, and and you've completed probably that part of the teenagers that are like, I hate you. I don't want to hear what you have to say. And and parents taking that personally. Without recognizing, no, that's actually a natural part of separation individuation that the teenager needs to push against the parent that they're usually the closest to and have the best relationship with. It's got to be nasty and dirty and and crazy to separate. We don't like that, though. So they can be their own person, yeah. but what happens is during that season, when that teenage girl is trying to push against the mom, mom cannot take it personally. Mom cannot get down and dirty with her daughter and fight back like she really wants to. like, what are you talking about? I'm just your mom. Right. That's when she needs to kind of allow some of that, but that's also a critical time for grandmothers to come in, for other Absolutely. moms to come in. Because if you don't, if you just allow that child to push out against you and go into the world they're getting inundated by a lot of negative messages that we don't want our daughters to be hearing. Right. They still need protection. And often that's
0: really where dads need to step in as well. Yeah, absolutely. And mama bears do a great job at protecting, but yes, uh, dads, the whole family unit obviously is extremely important. So now before I, I do want to get into this real quick, because now you've kind of given us some great advice, Taking us through what 2023 is looking like here with the the status of our kids' minds. But you personally became a bit of an activist, I would say, when you spoke up not me. When you spoke up at your school board meeting and city council meeting um about these particular topics. You spoke as a professional, you spoke about the concern for children. And I like to know, like to hear that story just real briefly before we close, because so many of our parents are really like you. I'm not an activist. I don't want to run for anything. I don't want to speak up, but are feeling compelled to come against the culture that is redefining the family and our children. Yes.
1: Well, um, again, never been an activist until truly the Lord has turned me into one in the last couple of years. But um, there was an issue back in California where I was living, where they were teaching transgender ideology to third graders without parental knowledge or permission it kind of blew up in town. And I actually spoke to the school board, basically very gently telling them I understood and I have empathy for their position of their wanting to take care of those that are really struggling. But I really identified that when you're teaching this to eight-year-olds, You know, an entire class of them, they do not have the cognitive capacity to even comprehend what gender identity is, they, they, you know, everything is black and white, there is no gray and so I was really just confronting the school board saying, this just needs to wait if you're going to do this I mean I wasn't even getting into how inappropriate it was or the indoctrination or anything.
0: Again, okay, um, talking about eight year olds, and this is fully here in Illinois. This is all across the country now. This oh, is going down to kindergarten, right?
1: Well, that's where our, after I spoke, our superintendent said that he thought that that teacher, what she did was excellent and has now instituted this type of education, K through 12. And when I was done speaking at that school board meeting, I was, you know, booed, hissed, called a hater. It was not pleasant. I went home, I felt physically sick. Um, They had the final meeting of the year the following week. I was gonna go back again and say something. And while I was working on what I was gonna prepare for later that evening, I got an email from um, a colleague and friend who is part of the city council who said, you need to sit down and read this email I just forwarded to you. And it turns out that a transgender activist who works with the school board had actually filed a 51-paged complaint To my licensing board in California, um, basically uh, saying I've got what she had written, um, that I had violated my professional ethics, standards, and codes, and that there was, and this is a direct quote, an imminent risk of substantial harm to students and families within the school district, all residents of the city, and the county, she said that they, uh, the statements that I made about transgender people, which I didn't even say anything about them, reinforce bigotry, exclusion, and harmful acts that I was attempting to restrict the civil rights of others. She literally labeled me a white supremacist and alleged that my conduct was tantamount to an incitement of violence as therapy with me
0: would put a patient at risk of great harm, including death. So you're reading this email like what in the world? I just said, hey, maybe we don't want to talk about sexual situations or gender or identity to eight-year-olds, right? And now this happens. Well, so they, so this person's challenging your license. Absolutely. Wow. Oh, absolutely. And not only did she send it
1: to my licensing board, she happened to CC it to the U.S. Uh, representative in my state. The California uh, representative, the city attorney of the city at the time, the entire city council and the school superintendent. So she completely maligned me mm-hmm. to some of these individuals that I've known actually, even since I was a child, because that was a city I grew up in. Wow. And at the time, I was just devastated because my license is all sure. that I have. That's my livelihood. And sure. I was just floored and I didn't know what to do. I was hysterical. I was crying. Spoke with my husband, spoke with my pastor, um, spoke with some friends, had a lot of people praying for what I was going to do in response. And then um, I what fr- do? basically said, "Shanay, if <sighs> you don't speak out, they win. <sighs> And he really pointed out, as did everybody, that this was an intimidation tactic. Sure was. Me and they were trying to silence me, and it almost worked. Mm -hmm. And literally, by the power of Jesus Christ, I went back. There were about 500 people at the next meeting that evening. They had Antifa there. They had people protesting. Fortunately, we had my church showed up in mass and was praying. I mean, it was Mm. volatile. Um, I, I called the school board out on what they did, that they had called me a hater the week before, but that now I really understand hate because of what's being done to me. I asked them to condemn what she had done. This woman who had filed the complaint, they wouldn't do it. When I left, um, they had individuals following myself and I, we were required, my husband and I were, we were required to have, um, bodyguards walk us to our car we were followed they they tried to dox you and harass you um i had to call the police because we were followed home terrifying very terrifying i've had i'm on you know antifa's been after me ever since and um very 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 terrifying um but there is good to this um i wanted to shut down i wanted to not speak out but what the lord did is he actually used this opportunity Um, I have been working kind of tangentially with an organization called the American Association of Christian Counselors in in Lynchburg, Virginia. And um, they actually have been hearing similar cases to mine nationwide, and they were desiring to set up a program that is going to actually fight for religious freedom for Christian counselors, for Christian educators. And so I actually got a job offer because of what I've gone through. And so now I am the director of psychology and the co-director of the division of ethics and advocacy for the American Association of Christian Counselors, where we are fighting for Christian counselors like myself nationwide, who are getting shut down by the
0: canceling them. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. And so we're working with attorneys, we're working with other therapists, we're working with educators to combat this, um, as I mentioned earlier, this existential threat where they are trying to silence us for speaking against um, what we
0: believe is wrong. Right. Think about that. In all of your professional career, what you know is truth all you were sharing was a complete warning and your opinion professionally and then all of a sudden they're going to cancel you and um, really make you an example but i love that you are now helping uh, other voices all across the country and just as an update how is it going across the country
1: It's wonderful. (laughs) My husband and I had been talking actually for several months of wanting to or several years actually of getting out of California, but I really felt that the Lord hadn't released me yet because I was so busy fighting in California, but he definitely released me. We are, um, it's a very different lifestyle out here in California or out here in Virginia than it was in California, but, um, we've only been out here since October But um, loving the work that I'm doing. I'm still uh, have my private practice. I'm working with my patients um, virtually. Uh, I'm working with the American Association of Christian Counselors. I'm going to start teaching at Liberty University in fall. And um, yeah, and so never anything that I thought the Lord would have me do, but um, he has equipped me. And I think that's really the message that I like to share with people. I've never been political in my life. I hate conflict probably more than anybody. Hate it, hate it, hate it. I know, I hate it too. But the Lord can give you strength and his words and his His word tells us that he will give us the words when we have to speak up for right. truth and righteousness and that I'm nothing special. I, I'm I'm a mom, yeah, I'm a psychologist, but I'm not one that would ever speak out at a school board meeting. I'm not even the mom that would even go to a school board meeting. <laughs> But what they're doing is wrong. What they're doing is egregious. They're harming our children terribly. And we need to fight back because the family is the crux of our country. And they're ripping it apart. And we as parents have to fight back. We have to take a stand for our babies, for our children, because they are trying to strip away our rights as parents. They're trying to, to take away our voice. And we can't let them do that. We have
0: to fight back. Well, I was going to ask you for a wrap-up statement, but doctor, you just gave it to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, what a righteous cause, what a positive note to end with. Mm
1: -hmm. Whatever
0: God calls us to do, if we can step into it, run forward, not be intimidated, he will open up doors for us to do great things. So thank you for being a warrior. We love hanging with mamas like you.
1: Thank you very much. (laughs) Mama bears love you all.
0: All right. Well, God bless you and your journey and what you're doing and keep speaking up um, and because we need people like you thank sharing you. the truth. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me on. Thanks, doctor. Amazing story from Dr. Anderson. And it kind of reminds me a little bit. Uh, we work with people all across the country, but recently at Moms for America, we had a legacy awards luncheon at Mar-a-Lago and country singer John Rich was there and we awarded him the champion of freedom award. He made a statement at his acceptance speech that applies to today's podcast. He said, fear is contagious, but courage is even more contagious. I hope the courage of Dr. Anderson will be contagious and spread like wildfire all across America. Mom's speaking up. And yes, we need to be courageous. So you can do this, mama. All righty. Also, I'd like to just remind everyone to stop by, check out our website, Sign up for our, lo- our newsletter at momsforamerica.us. Uh, I also remind everyone every week about our signature program, which is called the Cottage Meetings, 12 lessons that will inspire and educate you about America's amazing heritage and history so you can share the principles of liberty in your home and in your community. This program, along with many of our other programs, and there are a lot of them, a lot of resources as well, will help you impact your family in a very powerful way. We say from parental rights to public policy, from the kitchen table to Congress, Moms for America has it all. Alrighty, well, thanks moms for joining us again. Sign up for our newsletter, like, and subscribe. If you have any, any suggestions for our podcast, please email me at podcast at momsforamerica.net. I always love hearing from you and uh, any guests that you may love to have me chat with. Um, again, every week I say this, we believe that liberty begins at home. We believe that you mamas, you are the heartbeat of America and the heartbeat of your home. So we just want to encourage you and tell you that we absolutely love you. And uh, as always, let's keep changing our world one home at a time. I'll see you next week.